Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. You will also get bonus content every month, including the audio versions of my regular columns for ESPN. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. Hi. Welcome to part two of the big interview with Uwe Rosler. If by some chance you missed part one, I firmly recommend you hear all about Uwe's trouble with the Stasi, the secret police, and what it was like in an East German football regime before and after the wall came down. Nevertheless, here we are in part two, talking Manchester City. Then and now, his revelations about what he sees in the excellence of the modern city tying them back to Leipzig in the 90s. Interesting. But also talking about his current team, Fortuna Dusseldorf, the latest stop in a long and interesting managerial career for Uwe. Fortuna are currently in the middle of a scrap to escape the second tier in Germany, and Uwe and his media staff at Fortuna Dusseldorf were extremely generous with their time and technical help on this interview, thanks to them. But I promise you, observers of Manchester City and fans. Listen up for Uwe at his best. I hope you enjoy it. There'll be more soon. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know if even with tapes you, you saw Franny Lee play, because I guess Manchester City games, or Derby games, when you were young in East Germany weren't shown on television, so fine. But I watched Franny Lee play, and Franny played with the same spirit and aggression and will to win as, as you did. There was a similarity, no question whatsoever. But it's funny, when you explain it that way, Uwe, and that's what this forum is supposed to be about. Now, there's, you know there's a great deal of yearning in Britain for the things that we see in, particularly Bundesliga, but I'm sure Bundesliga too as well, that, that fans get in for cheaper prices, that, that, that there's a lot of choreographed singing... I remember Raúl leaving Real Madrid, the, the prince of Madrid leaving and going to Schalke, and pretty soon afterwards saying, "I should have left. I should have left," because he was shitting himself when the fans made him go and take the microphone behind the goal. Something that's commonplace for you guys, but still isn't well known around Europe. And he has to sing and pretend he knows some German words, and the fans love him for trying it, and it's beautiful. And when you see him fighting in the cup in the semi-final against Bayern, he's another. He's another Schalke guy because it's in his soul like City was to you. But, you know, instead of us looking at Germany and yearning and saying, look at all the good things you've got, you said that about the City crowd. Why? What? what? Main Road? The humour? What was it then that infected you? I can see what they thought about you. But what did they give that made you think, ah, they're special? Explain it. 
first of all, they made me feel home. I think that was very important. I had a very difficult situation in my career coming on the back of uh, uh, of a long injury. And before that injury, I wasn't firing when I was in Nuremberg. I had a bad year. So I felt straight away accepted. I felt people caring about me, tried to help me. Um, I felt I was very fortunate to come in a team where where I suited in very well in the way I was playing. Uh, because I had a lot of experienced players next to me who teach me the game, who teach me the English game. I felt I was very fortunate. Also, I come from German football, where I, uh, at the time was a lot man against man. You were always man marked, and you had a sweeper. And as a striker, well, you 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 needed not to beat one player; you needed to beat two players. And in England, I find playing against a back four, four four two, everyone played four four two. It suited my game so much to have intelligent runs between the gaps, have players who can serve you. I think the game started to get easier for me. You know, in, in Germany at the time, there was a big step from East German football to Bundesliga football. And that was a really hard time to uh, to get through this as a striker, to, to get on the score sheet and uh, stay in the team. But I felt that in, in, in Manchester, I think a lot of things... I benefited from, but what was amazing was Main Road was the biggest pitch in the country, and I was a I was a guy who was I was fit at the time. I was running a lot. Uh, I tried to wear out defenders, and um, that helped me definitely as well. And obviously, I, I experienced a feeling. The crowd gave me a feeling. I'm walking on the pitch, and nothing can happen to me. And I never had that in my playing career. I walked out in home games, and I know nothing can happen to me only good things. And when you have that sort of belief, then you probably overperforming actually uh, to your normal standards. And the crowd has given me that feeling and that feeling is unique and I never had it before and I never had it after. Well, if you could bottle that feeling, I mean, I've got hairs in the back of my neck going up now. If you could bottle that feeling or make people who have never experienced it in their lives feel it, it's it's incredible. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's amazing because I experienced today. Um, I think we as players we had it sometimes easier than the players today because today today's players, what I experience, have so much pressure through social media, so much pressure. Uh, we had the pressure from ourselves. We had the pressure from our families. We had the pressure from our supporters. But that's it. Now. They have to. Uh, they have social media. What's going on on social media, uh, on hate speeches, and what's going on there uh, is unbelievable. And to go out and play with a freedom, go out and play with a with a natural belief, you will perform. Everything will be fine. It's not often a lot of players can say that. Tell us about some of the characters you you, you mentioned. Steve McMahon, a fierce competitor. Walsh as well. When you listen to Paul talking. He'd, he'd got a bit lost. Um, he'd fallen out with Kenny Dalglish badly, didn't, didn't feel respected by Kenny. In London, he says himself now, he lived a little bit a party boy. But coming to City for him was a release in a different way for you, but the effect was the same. He played really good football, he found his confidence again, he found goals. Maybe he, he found you as a strike partner, but what was he like to be around? I called Paul last week after the interview he gave to the Daily Mail and I just congratulate him for his honesty and for his bravery uh, to open up like he did. And uh, so 
It's just the Paul I knew. Uh, I really found him really funny. I wind him. Sometimes you could wind him up after I learned a little bit English. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I've, I found him uh, very nice to be around on the on the football pitch. He liked to do that, what I didn't like to do, and and uh, he left me the freedom to do my things where I was good at it, and I think we complemented each other uh, really well. Um, for me, he was one of the best players I ever played with. Um, when you see, he was not the tallest player, but when you see how he put himself about, uh, how he could dribble left foot, right foot, how tenacious he was, how aggressive he was, to uh, to not get bullied by far bigger defenders. Uh, how brave he was in the box to attacking headers. He was he was a, he was for a small player very very good in the air. Um, he scored in that season. I think in uh, 1994. I think he scored something like 15, 16 goals, and I scored 20, 23 goals. We we had probably the season of our lives, and uh, and I benefited a lot a lot from players like Paul, like Peter Beagree. Um, like Steve McMahon, um, like Nile Quinn later on, when Nile Quinn came back after his injury, I played also a lot with Nile together. So, Nicky Summerby. Clough, young Clough could play also. Yeah, Nigel came later on as well. King Glatzer, obviously uh, the master. So, um, I really, I really enjoyed my time there. I met a lot of uh, very good footballers, but also very nice people. I need to ask you two about your time, two more about your time there. The first is again, um, Bet365 asked me to ask you, what's it like to score in a Manchester derby? And, and for a competitor like you, I have to ask you this thing please set aside the final score. Please just bottle up the way in which the match began. Describe, for those who weren't alive or haven't seen it, or, uh, describe the pitch, the atmosphere, and then the feeling. Uh, first and foremost, I think the derby, the derby match was uh, leading into a derby match. Uh, started three, four weeks before before actually the game started. Um, I think that game was obviously the highlight of the year for us. Uh, maybe not so much for Man United because they at times they had bigger fish to fry, uh, but for us, Manchester City at the time uh, to play our, against our biggest rivals. Uh, that was the match. That was the two matches of the year. And uh, so the focus was the build-up to the game uh, was unbelievable. I never I played a, a lot of derbies, but I never had anything close, something close to that. People from Germany came over, um, going home. I say now also playing at Old Trafford. Um, obviously, atmosphere electric on both grounds. Playing at Old Trafford, um, big stadium. Also big pitch and uh, and we always started well. Um, we always was in in the games. Uh, it was very tight games. Uh, we were mid table, below table, below mid table, uh, and Man United obviously was fighting for the championship. But the games was very very tight. Unfortunately, I didn't want a derby, but we all lost two one, three two, one nil. Um, so the games was really really close uh, but Man United at the time had just a bit more than us unfortunately and uh, uh, that was one of my biggest regrets that we never could give a derby win in my time there uh, to our crowd Okay then the, the passionate guy the passionate guy in me even though I'm not a citizen comes out because we, you, you called him the maestro if I'm not wrong the pass is kinky it's a first time pass if I'm not wrong 
you, you're making a run, you bend your run, you hold just in time so that you're onside. The pitch is muddy and bumpy, and you chip the keeper. Give us that. Give us, put us inside the striker's head when that moment comes. Por favor. Obviously, Georgie, Georgie Kinglad's uh, one of the technically most gifted players I ever seen at the time and played with, obviously played with, uh, joined the club. And Paul left, uh, Quinny left, um, Peter Beagrey left. So I came to a, to a stage of my career where I have to adapt to another style of play again. And um, and uh, was not easy. Uh, and I think that was not only me, it was the whole team. Uh, but I think Georgie was at the time, it was the center of our play and, and we needed to find a way to play with him. And uh, Georgie needed also to find a, a way to play with us. And this is why in that season, when we got relegated, we we didn't want the game for the first eight games because we found it very difficult for playing one-way football the previous years before and then change completely, especially when we're talking about the attacking game. Uh, but eventually, uh, we we starting to click. And uh, this was one of the games where definitely Georgie has shown uh, what an unbelievable individual talented player he was. He was an entertainer. People paid a lot of money to just come and see him. Um, and obviously, for me as a striker, I benefited from such a high level of individual skills. Uh, you needed to make the runs and he will find you. And, and that was the secret. You needed to stay on site. You need to make the runs and he will find you. And that exactly happened in that situation, what you just meant. Um, uh, I looked for the room in behind their back line, uh, timed the run very good, had eye contact, and Georgie released the ball at the right time over the top. And I were one we won um, against Schmeichel. That was a FA Cup game, a fifth, fifth or sixth round. And I chipped him. And uh, that was one of the greatest feelings I ever had uh, because scoring at Old Trafford in front of 10,000 of City fans because we had a higher ticket allocation for the game. Uh, that was something uh, unbelievable. Unfortunately, we lost the game 2-1. The referee played his role uh, in, a, in a very dodgy penalty just a minute before halftime. But um, that was a fantastic feeling to score. Before the rest of this big interview, I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. In this mad era where everybody knows everything, there's data coming out of our ears. You can analyze everything. And pre-match, there's all the information. How can it happen that so recently you were in a team that got relegated because nobody knew what was happening? It's one of the most crazy stories of modern English football. And maybe it couldn't happen to City today, but maybe it could only happen to City back then. If you look back from the situation you're in now as a top-class manager... You, you, must be, you must have to filter out all the information and filter carefully what you give to your Fortuna Dusseldorf players. But back then, City are relegated with players and management and fans all disagreeing about what was going on. And, and ultimately, that game against Liverpool um, is a disaster. When you look back at it, do you look back with total disbelief? As a first and foremost, we cannot compare the times today with, with the times at the time. I think we went into the game... Um, Liverpool had nothing to play for and Liverpool, I had the feeling that Liverpool and their players uh, they they were really interested um, probably not that we got relegated that we stay in the league because uh, for them to play against us at the time uh, they mostly won so um, uh, there was a shortly, a shortly way uh, from Merseyside uh, to Main Road and and opposite. So I think the game. We were we were very very nervous uh, because we were depending also on another result from Southampton. Uh, we were two 0 down. Liverpool tried, but not that hard because they had nothing really to play for. So um, we missed a few chances. I missed the head on the first half. I had the ball against the post. So in half time, coming out basically nothing else to lose. Um, had the had the knife on the throat, and then we 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 lost our our fear of getting relegated. Uh, we starting to play football, and uh, we pushed them back. We came back penalty. I scored a penalty, and then Kit Simon scored the equalizer two two. And at the time when the equalizer came, I don't know exactly uh, the minute. We the draw was enough for us to stay in the league, but this situation had changed a few minutes later when Southampton scored. And we got told after the equaliser um, to hold the ball, go in the corners. And that was like something like 15 minutes to play. Also, people said, you know what, take the take the tempo out of the game, go in the corners, don't attack anymore. The draw is enough. So the game has changed. Nyquin was then already, uh, he was in the, in the treatment room. Uh, Nyquin saw on the television, they spoke about it on the television, that uh, we was just holding on on the result. We didn't try to attack anymore. And he was running out with his towel around his waist and screamed, lads, we need to attack. We need a goal. We need a goal. 
but we also got a message to just keep the ball in the corners and uh, make sure that we uh, we don't get pushed back. So there was a lack of communication between all parties. I don't want to blame anyone here, um, but I think you never know would have been this 10 minutes enough, but I think the lack of communication was also a, played a big part of it that we got relegated. It's just so remarkable now when everybody, everything is communicated, internet makes everything instant. It's just looking back at it, I watched it again today, thinking about this interview, and to think that that happened during my career, during your playing career, just seemed astonishing. My last two concern, City now and Fortuna Dusseldorf now. One, um, when you watch from a distance, apart from maybe enjoying the club that you love, being so powerful, when you look at the academy, when you look at the brand of football, when you watch Guardiola's um, means of, of, I think, educating all of us, not just his squad, it's, he's changing our minds about positional play, about um, altering the rules of particular football, what possession is and isn't for, even how to defend with the ball, all these things. When you look from afar at what's happening at City, and also maybe considering with whatever you thought about him when he was in charge at Bayern, sum up what, you, what you're watching, what you think of it. Like you said, I was uh, I really followed it closely when Pep came to German football and he revolutionised German football. And, I, and I'm not the only one. I said it a long time ago, without Pep Guardiola, we probably would have not won the World Cup in 2014. Uh, uh, Joachim Löw is a very smart and very, very good coach, uh, but he used a block of Bayern Munich players who at the time was coached and drilled in, in a certain way of playing. What has German football have not seen before? And uh, I think that was that was the foundation to win the World Cup in 2014 in, in Brazil. And you see now the same thing in English football, uh, what Guardiola brings to, uh, to English football. Uh, uh, this, is, this is, uh, is not only fantastic for Manchester City Football Club, it's also fantastic for English football in general. Uh, it's new ideas, it's new ways of thinking, it's new type of players. And uh, it's, it's for me amazing to... To see him, I, my son had played in the City Academy. My son had, for nine years, my son had trained uh, um, occasionally with the first team. Uh, I was able to watch certain training sessions. To see him working with the players, to see the, the methods, to see the idea behind certain drills um, is, is amazing, is, is fantastic. And uh, Manchester City, uh, and big compliment to the owners, um, what they have invested into the club. Uh, not only in terms of stadium, training's ground, East Manchester, also what they invested in bringing the best coach to the club. And the academy is, is a little bit like the things you described about your upbringing, about excellence, about maximising, about education. I mean, the, the, when you were talking about your, your days um, in Leipzig, the, the echoes of the Manchester Academy, to me, from what I've seen from being there, sounded really similar, right? Yes, definitely. When you especially also saw that in the school system, they put the private uh, private education for the chosen players in place, where then the school times 
was put around training sessions. And I think it, that is exactly what we had 25 or 30 years before that in the East. So I've, I saw a lot of similarities um, and also in, 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 in terms of different type of sports, not only football drills, also a number of things, uh, athletic things, uh, gymnastic things, you know, where you get an all-round sportly yeah. education. Uh, and 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 especially then also specialized on certain way of playing, uh, like Pep always a uh, big focus on midfield players, on wide players, yeah, uh, on playing out from the back. Um, I think everyone who is part of the City Academy who get a first class football education would set them in good state for a later career. In Britain, we have a fascination with the health and well being of German football. Um, a lot of people before COVID came and watched adopted teams in Bundesliga 2 because it's easy to get in, get tickets, you can still have a drink. The noise, the singing remind us of days maybe in the past in the 80s and 70s in, in British football. So you're in charge of Fortuna Dusseldorf, a start club. You're within seven, eight points of the playoffs to go up to the Bundesliga. Give us a feeling for it. We're far away, and now because of COVID, none of us can travel. Bring us into the boiling pot of Bundesliga 2 and what Fortuna Dusseldorf, Hamburg. How, how is Hamburg in the second division as well? Uwe, you're a good communicator. Bring us into your world. Starting off with uh, when I joined the club, I think we, uh, we have to go chronologically. Um, I joined the club um, 2020 in end of January beginning of February, the team then by then was bottom in the league with second most goals conceded, less goals scored um, and I took the job uh, after a very successful spell at Miami FF um, purely of the fact that one of my dreams I had, like to get another tick on my bo- on the box was to manage in my homeland so because I managed in, in, in England in Norway, where my wife come from, in Sweden. And now I had the opportunity on the back of the results with my MFF to get into the Bundesliga. And at my age, and when you also see the recruitment process in German football, there's a lot of young coaches coming through through uh, NLZs, through academies, through, um, through clubs where clubs can have a long look at them and and groom them a little bit in the way the club wants to go, to come as an outsider, even when I'm a German, to come from, from the outside back into German football and get one of the 18 jobs. That was a big temptation for me, even, even when the Fortuna at the time were bottom in the league and only 15 games to, to play. It was only 15 games to play. So I took a chance because uh, I wanted to fully fill my dream. I saw potential. And uh, I also was a big part for Tuna's history. is a his, is a is a traditional club has a with a rich history and has a fantastic stadium with a with a fantastic crowd. What I felt would be crucial for us to stay in the league to make up the points. So then we joined and we started off. Everything went well, and then Corona came. So very, I only had uh, two games or three games in the stadium with with crowd. After that, I had, since today, I am only at games without the supporters. So that was the plan. And obviously, 
we as a uh, as an underdog in the first Bundesliga when you be bottom in the league, and we needed the crowd to, especially in home games, to raise our standards by another five ten percent. What would it help us to stay in the league? We improved a lot in all aspects of the game, but not enough to stay in the league. After the relegation, club decided to to stay that I that I can stay. What is not normal in in modern times. The sporting director who signed me had left the club. Um, was become the new sporting director, and we started the project uh, promotion. But you know how hard it is when you see, especially the championship, when you get relegated. How hard it is to get in the first attempt up, and especially a unique, unique situation here in Düsseldorf was we lost 19 players. 19 players we lost last summer, so we had a pretty rough start in, into the season. Um, uh, Completely new team, um, didn't have much time in preseason because we were recruited very lately because of uh, financial impacts of Corona. We came under pressure straight away. Uh, we worked ourselves out. Uh, we finished the first half of the season with 31 points. Uh, now we had a, a down period again. Um, but I think, I believe that we fit, we're finding ourselves step by step. We, we get a, a hierarchy in the team. We get a certain way of playing. We're putting, we knowing our, our best 14, 15 players. Uh, with, but we need to keep them fit. That is our main problem. We have too many injuries. Uh, we're hanging in there. I think the, the league is like the championship a little bit, very equal. Everyone can beat everyone. Um, we need to find a certain consistency. What we have shown in that good spell for two months, uh, what we had, when we achieved that in the last eleven games, we still have a chance to win promotion. Everything has to go optimal, um, that for sure. But uh, is is still is still possible, and I'm look forward for the next game because I think we should concentrate not only from game to game and forget about the other teams, forget about the table situation. Um, concentrate on the next game and do it step by step and then we have a chance I'd be a big believer in that Well we at the big interview not only wish you to get promotion and, and win game by game we wish you to be the Deutsche Fußball Botschafter for 2022 and you should have won it in 2021 but there you go all I can say is Uwe Rosler it's been a, a severe pleasure I'd like to reserve the possibility for when you're busier as a high manager in Fortuna Dusseldorf's push towards the top of the Bundesliga in a year or 18 months, that maybe we find this space again to ask you some more of the questions that we missed out today. But thank you for being so generous with your time. You are not just a Manchester City legend, you're a legend of the big interview. Thank you, Ove Rosberg. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson.